just keep me in prayer. I leave for Monterey in nine days. I'm doing a youth conference. Uh, it's a two-day youth conference. I'll be doing, I'll be there for a week, doing other types of ministry. But really, the youth is the main reason. I, I believe God. One of the things God's put on my heart is youth in developing nations. Uh, you don't have to be 50 or 60 to God uses you. Uh, we're not too old, too young. It's just we're too not available. If you can say it like that, it's not your age. He came to Samuel at a very young age. Came to Abram, changed his name at an old age. It's not the age. It's how we receive. You know, last week, if you haven't heard Alan's message, and if you did hear it, you need to listen to it again. And one of the things he talked about was how you hear. Uh, it's just one of the things, and you know, how we see. And how you hear determines how much you actually receive. Because Jesus says, it depends how you hear, you can be given more. I believe today, I mean, I've been preaching. I came here in, what, 06, I believe. Moses is dead is my first message, and he's still dead, but he's in. <laughs> but I believe this is one of the most important messages I've ever preached. It's about the restoration of the soul. Uh, I don't say that lightly. Uh, I already feel the pain. Uh, it's not my pain I feel. It's the people's pain. Jesus did not come just to... See, God's view is very different than ours. His desire, you know, we've seen healings in here. One of the things I pray for is the atmosphere of healing to change where people in worship get healed. People walk in the sanctuary and get healed. I'm talking saved, not saved. That We just pray for that atmosphere to change where the presence of the Lord is. There's liberty in all areas. But God doesn't want us to have cancer testimonies and the person next to them claps and they walk out with fear and anxiety. To him, that's not revival. To us, that's revival, but not to him. God's perspective is very different. Uh, so revival is in every area, body, soul, and spirit. Now, I know there's a lot of debate, two natures, one nature. We have one nature, but we are a triune being, a body, soul, and a spirit. And when you, Jesus, you know, God says that you, the day you eat the fruit, you will die. What died was they spiritually died. They did not physically die. They spiritually died. And Jesus says, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. When you get born again, your spirit is instantly perfect, alive, able to receive, but you have a soul. A woman that's a prostitute for 30 years receives Christ instantly set free. But that's why the Bible says renew your mind. It wouldn't say renew your mind if your mind was instantly renewed. Why is that? Because God so values choice. He made Lucifer perfect. And in his perfection, he made choice. And so there's, you know, we sang that song, set free, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it's true. There's things he set as free. But actually the word in the Greek is actually make. It's not set. And make is a process. So there's things he sets us free on and there's things he makes us free on. One person can be addicted to pornography and God sets them free. The person over here, he makes them free. Now, I don't know why he chooses that, but there's things in your life that you have to agree with him to walk out. And if you don't, you will not be free. You can go to heaven, but what would our lives look like if we were totally free? How would I be? Because I'm not totally free. I'm not. Uh, you're saying, John, what's the matter with you? you? Don't you preach? So what? Uh, you know, if someone can cut me off on the road, I can flip them off, cuss them out, and come and preach, and you think it's a good message. Now, that didn't happen today, but... Uh, I'm not saying it never happened, but <laughs> so I believe he's put this on my heart because I, I don't know, sometimes man, I'm just going to share my heart today. I know this is a very different message, but God desires us to be free in every area. When he says revival, anxiety leaves, depression leaves. Yes, people get healed. I remember I was walking to a church one time and the guy was smoking. I, I was late. I was late. Uh, it was a small church in New Mexico and a guy was smoking. He came out to smoke so no one could see him. And I walked in, he goes, sorry, brother, I'm still struggling with this. I didn't even miss a beat. I just walked in, I go, don't worry about it, brother. Some sins we see and some we don't. And I thought about the two women that hate each other. I'd rather smoke than be in unforgiveness. That's just me. That's just me. So we can see that. 
oh, they have this issue or they have the anger issue, but we don't see unforgiveness. We don't see bitterness. And that lady was sitting over here and that lady was sitting over here and they weren't talking to each other for years and he's worried about his smoking. Let me, God wants every area free in our lives. He wants the cancer to go. And here's the deal. It's not one or the other. It's both at the same time. Jesus is the lion and he's the lamb. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's the lamb of God. Sometimes he comes in your life like a lion to attack those things that are attacking you. But when he's doing that, he's not the lamb. It's the aspect you see. So you have ministers. They have this message they preach, and the message they preach, and it's good, and it's right. And, but there's other things to God. And what you see in Jesus or what you see in God is not the only part. We need everybody to, to share that. He's the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. So this today, I believe he wants to bring the restoration of the soul. It's beginning. And... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Some people say inner healing. I'm going to talk about the restoration of the soul. Now, I know Lena has a series, uh, The War on Soul Trouble. And so this message today is not the end all, end all. And I don't even believe like, oh, you, God can emotionally heal, but I believe he wants to touch areas in your life because this is how it came about. About a couple of months ago, I started praying, Lord, make me more sensitive, make me more sensitive, make me more sensitive. And I thought when he comes in the room, I thought, you know, when people pray, I thought because some people, God will come in the room sometimes, people will go like, woo, you know, they, and I'm just like, I don't feel it, you know, like, I'm making more sensitive to you. And he started touching areas in my life that were not awake. And so I believe that he wants to awaken because what would we look like totally free? What would you do if you had no fear of man? What would you do if you weren't afraid to step out and believe the finances were there, or his anointing there, or his power there, or his grace was there? What, how would we be different? Like, what would you do if you could not fail at something? And I'm not talking about just making stuff out. There's so many people that, that, that on their gravestone, what's not written is all the things that God had for them that they didn't walk in. And he wants everything for us. Amen? So my parents got divorced when I was 11. There's five of us, and, uh, you know, it, it, it can, divorce can affect kids in different ways, but I'm very sensitive. I know that's shocks to some of you, but I'm a very sensitive person, and not like a weak or offended. I'm talking about sensitive, like God made me sensitive so I can feel people's pain. God made me sensitive so I can do those things. And Now, let me just say, this message is not so we can be better ministers. It's not so I can preach better or pray better or prophesy better. It's so we can know him better. God did not create people because he needed ministers, or he needed ministry one to another. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and the, whom you sent, Jesus. That is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing him. It's not living forever. You can live forever and not know him. That's not eternal life. That's eternal existence. Eternal life is knowing him. So because God is love, and for there, in order to be love, there needs to be a choice not to love. And so God's perfection, he made Lucifer perfect. But in that perfection, he made a choice. And we have a choice today. Because, well, how do you know they have choices? Well, a third of the angels fell because they had a choice. God doesn't create robots. He doesn't just make, okay, I'm going to make you angels. I'm going to make you powerful beings in my presence, and I command you to say, holy, holy, holy. No, he showed an aspect of himself, and that was their response, holy, holy, holy. Actually, worship is a response. It's not a command. You can, you can worship by faith and stuff, but the true worship is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a response to who he is. So he made those beings very powerful so they could stand in his glory, and he showed an aspect of himself, and they just said, holy, holy, holy. That one aspect goes throughout eternity. He's the Holy Spirit. Holy means separate. Holy means sanctified, righteous. Now, we can, we're all positionally righteous. You can be positionally righteous but not relationally righteous, and you have condemnation and fear and guilt. We're going to get into all that because conviction and condemnation are two different things. So we're going to break it down today.
But first, let me talk about some walls. Well, let me just, the walls that I put up on my heart. So I felt abandoned to go back to that. I felt abandoned by my mom. But my dad was there physically, but not emotionally. So I felt abandoned by my mom, but rejected by my dad. So I put up walls in my heart to protect myself. Well, those same walls keep love out, keep people out. The same walls you put up to, for privacy are the same walls that block your view of the landscape. I mean, it's the same walls. And so God wants to knock the walls in our heart. I'm not talking about boundaries. I'm not talking about you need to be friends with everybody. But somebody needs to know you, who you really are. And you can function from your gifts and ministry. But a lot of people, a lot of Christians have, if you really knew me, you would not love me. Well, God fully knows us and fully loves us. So we need to break the fear of man off us today. Because the fear of man will keep you from being restored. It's not enough to have healings and miracles physically and not emotional healing. Well, John, that's Old Testament. Well, the New Testament in Isaiah, Jesus picked up the book to heal the brokenhearted. That's Jesus. So there's some, I want to get to some obstacles because one of the reasons I believe God is having me do is because I'm a man. It's not a woman thing. Emotional healing is not a woman thing. It's a God thing. Emotional healing is not a woman thing. It's a God thing. And so I'm up here, and I'll be the guinea pig. You know, I'll be God's huckleberry. We'll see how far I can get today. But because I feel people's, I, actually, I feel God's pain for people. And we're so ignorant about so many things. It's knowledge pups up and wisdom pups up. And you can go lay hands on people and see miracles and stuff. But those things block us from fully, fully knowing him. And he wants us totally free. It's almost like areas in my heart feel like they're getting thawed out, if I could say. And we're talking years. So, Lord, make me more sensitive. He comes and says, John, it's not about me. you sensing me in a room. It's about you sensing me in your heart. I mean, let's be honest. Our Sunday mornings are a blip of your life. The day you die, you add up, you add up all the conferences, Sunday mornings, all it's a blip. Everything else is in your car. It's in your house. It's how you talk to your spouse and kids and wives, how you see people, how you love. So I want to talk about some obstacles, and then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. We're going to invite him in because there's a song. You know, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. And I'm not going to sing it. I don't have a voice like Pastor Allen. But we sing it like you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this room. And he wants us to say you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this space. The glossed over, the hurt, the buried, the ignored, the unaware of in this space. He wants us to be aware. Uh, one of the things I'm believing for is in, in, as I minister and preach, not just today in places, that people be healed from sexual abuse and sexual. Now, I never experienced that. But I've never been a crippled either, but I still believe for the crippled to walk. So I don't have to walk through that. I just have to care about that. When I go to prisons, I don't have to be in prison. I have to actually care for those prisoners. And when you care for that, and I believe God can set people free from that area because there's people, have, so many people have been sexually abused. And I just, that's just an area I'm talking about. But So here's some things. Here's a few things. These aren't the only things. These are things that block us so you can, we can remove these. Uh, first of all, I went through that already. Now, that's either pride uh, but when we are bound, we're living in a lower level that God has for us. And so sometimes when you get set free and you experience freedom, you think you're totally free, but you're just comparing it to where you were. See, God doesn't want to compare yourself to where you were. He wants to see this is where I want to bring you. And it's so, it's like Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. He was on his bed. He was laying down. He was sick, and then he died. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. So Lazarus came out, but he had, the Bible says he had a bandage around his face and parts of his body. Now, Lazarus didn't go, I'm good because I'm not sick anymore. But Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So I'm saying today, is it possible that there's actually more? Maybe you went through a class or a series or a point, but 
Could you say, and I'm not saying there is, I'm just saying don't, don't just say that I went through that. Because you could have gone through that and then got hurt later. Or it could be a layers. Because God comes in like a surgeon, and many times he doesn't take all the things out because we can't handle it, but he wants us to be aware that he's working and moving. And we can shut him out any time. And if you think, I went through that, that's pride. And he really has a difficult time working with that, so we need to humble ourselves and say, God, search my heart. Is there any more? You cleaned it out. When the doctors go in, they say, remove the cancer. Yes, you clean. But is there any more? We need to do a PET scan. We need to do. So the Holy Spirit wants to go through our hearts and say, there's, some, there's this area. There's this spot. That was that word you said or that word. Because for passive righteousness sake, you'll never do fully what God has for you fully unless you're free fully. And it's for passive righteousness sakes. So. We don't compare. So when Lazarus came forth, he, Jesus didn't go, well, he's better than he was. He's not sick anymore. He says, loose him and let him go. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be loosed in every single area of our life. Amen. Another obstacle is comparison of pain. One thing that has blocked me for a long time is I'm like, I'll work at Pastor Lena's house and I'll be sweating. She goes, your whole I go, there's people that work all day, you know, on the side of the road and they're sweaty. Look, someone else's pain doesn't remove your pain. So when you compare pain, because I didn't, I mean, last week people were talking about some people's childhoods and how they grew up poor, and it was just hurtful to my heart. I didn't grow up as like that, but I went through other pain. And so I, I remember when I broke my arm, I think, well, there's two bones in the forearm, right, I believe, and it snapped. I was in the sixth grade, my arm just snapped, it hung. And I went to, my dad took me to the emergency room, uh, and I had to wait while a dentist came in. He was a dentist, and he had all his fingers chopped off with a lawnmower. So he brought his fingers in a jar, and so I had to sit there in, in hours in my pain. His pain was worse. It was more traumatic. It was more immediate. But all the pain he was going through did not remove one ounce of my pain. So your pain is your pain. So even though you've never been sexually abused or when you don't compare yourself to other person and they had it rough, that can block you from receiving healing because you don't think you need it. Because when you compare pain, don't compare pain. God's coming to you. David says he restores my soul. It's my soul. It's not the denomination's soul, the church's soul, the pastor's soul. Even though he can do that, it's my soul. The Lord restores my soul. And so the last one we're going to talk about is obstacle is condemnation and guilt. See, Satan comes with condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts. There's a huge difference, and the church is really confused about that. If you've been through something and you feel so condemned, so guilty, you don't want to step out in the light. or Because the path of unrighteousness, every wicked, evil thing goes back to the devil. But he puts condemnation on you that's actually on him. Like, you need to tell him, this is not my armor. This was made for you. It's just like David, when he was going to fight Goliath. They say, try this on you. And so David wore it, but he couldn't move fully. He says, I can't function. We need to tell the devil, that condemnation's for you. There's no hope for you, but there's hope for me. You will not be able to fully move like David or fight or walk or do anything with that condemnation on you. We need to say, this was made for you. Conviction shows you the cross. Condemnation shows you yourself, how wicked you are. See, we need to remember something about the devil. He fell when there was no devil. Before there was even evil, he fell. Before there was ever a stumbling block, he stumbled. Before there was ever temptation, he, he was tempted. He set it up. In his choice, he set it up. He deceived himself. God, you're awesome. God, you're marvelous. Inside the glory of God. We talk a lot about the glory, guys, but listen to me. You can have the glory in revival. The devil was in God's glory. You can have be prophesied over, see miracles, and walk away from God. 
In the glory, you can be called out, prophesied you're going to be a great preacher, and then later think it's all you and have a, de- have a horrible ending of your life. Walk away from God. The glory does not keep you away from those things. It's still a choice. The glory shows you God. And every time you say, I want to get a little closer, I want to know you a little more, yes, it's a reflection. The devil was in the glory, and in that glory where God says, you're perfect in all your ways, until iniquity was found in you, then you were thrown out. He said, I'll be like the Most High. So he himself set up temptation. He himself stumbled. I mean, that's the biggest loser of all time, and he's telling you're condemned? Say, no, 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 put that on him. You fell when there wasn't even a devil, when you were Lucifer, son of the morning. There wasn't even a devil and you fell. I'm not condemned. I'm not wearing that armor. I need to walk and move. David had a stone and a sling. No one else had a stone and a sling. All the battle, evil on this side, good on this side, and there's David shows up with a stone and a sling, and Goliath says, you come at with me with two sticks and a rock, with sticks and a rock. Why would he say that? Sticks and a rock, sticks and a rock. Why did he use the word plural? Well, the cross is two sticks, plural. And Jesus is the stone. Let me tell you something, friends. Nothing's by example. He comes in and he goes, I'm a dog. So David came with, with just that. Only thing you need is what God has given you, and he's given you the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be like anybody else or this many or sure. So the, one of the, the last reasons I'm talking about is condemnation, to throw that off and say, you know what? I'm not condemned. That's you. And say, that's you fell before there was even a devil. There, Satan wasn't even Satan. He was Lucifer and he failed. That's, that's, that's sad. You could fully see God and yet you said, I'm going to be like him, would be like the most. No, 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 there's only one God. You know, and a lot of times when people are condemned or they, or they do something really evil or they're really bad, they think they're forgiving. They think they're forgiven, but also with time. There's a scripture in the, in the Book of Mormon that says, uh, we know that it is by grace that we are saved. After all we can do. Book of Mormon. So it's by grace we were saved after all we can do. And we go, wow, that's sad. But I believe many Christians, after they sin and mess up, I'm saved by grace with time. I'm saved by grace, but I got to wait till I run to him. John, how do you really know you know God? When you can run to the Father with the same zeal, passion, and love after you messed up, the same way if you've been living right for 20 years. That's how you know you really know him. Because he runs to you and you run to him. I'm not talking about just laissez-faire sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you really repent, God, I receive me. You can really repent for something a hundred times. It's true. You can be a Christian and struggle with anything as long as you recognize it's a sin. As soon as you say it's not a sin, friends, we have another issue. So a lot of believers think it's with time. We're saved by grace after all you can do. Wow, look at those Mormons. They don't know anything. With time. I messed up. I can't, I, gotta come to, I can't come to church today because I messed up Friday. I can't raise my hands because uh, I yelled at my wife. You know, when I go to, these mission, I go to missions and people come to the altar, so many come up like this. And I'm not saying you've got to totally go by body language because you can tell it's been on their life, their entire life. One of my relatives, before he passed away, I loved him. He was one of my favorite relatives. We were in the car one day, and he's trying to confess to me all the things he did. When he met, when he met I'm not going to tell who, but in the, in the, and I said, stop. I says, you don't have to tell me. You just tell God. You can just tell he wore it his entire life, and he wanted to be free at the end. You're already free. You told God. You don't need to tell me. There's some things you need to tell him, but he didn't need to tell me. No, no, no. You can tell your wife. You can tell this person because I heard a saying. I believe it's so true. In many ways, if you want to be forgiven, tell God. But if you want to be whole, tell somebody. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like, if you really knew me fully, would you love me? I think we have a big fear of that, friends. Somebody has to know who you really are or were. I'm not saying you have to share every detail, but I'm saying is God fully loves you and knows everything about you. 
When you repent, you can raise your hands just as high because it's the blood of Jesus. It's not the blood of Jesus and time. The thief had no time. He wasn't saved after all he can do. He could do nothing. He wasn't, Jesus said today, he didn't say in a week, two months, a year, I'm going to put you in purgatory, I'm going to let you think about it. Jesus says today you will be with me in paradise. See, there's no time. When you repent, you can get up. See, the devil doesn't like this preaching because he wants you to think, oh, you're saved by grace and time because you're dirty and think about it and be low. Amen? So if we want emotional healing, if we want our soul to be restored, we need to know maybe there is more. Yeah, I know you went through that class, or I know this, but th- those triggers and those responses and our thoughts and our things, we have a soul. Why doesn't God make our soul just perfect? Because he gives us choice, and there's things he needs your agreement with to walk in because he's not going to force and push you. He's not a dictator. He's a shepherd. He leads. He guides. He doesn't push and force. He's in front. They know my voice. He's, he said, I'm behind. They know my stick. Friends, there's a huge difference in that. Satan wants to drive you and drive you and drive you. You're worthless. Just sit there. If Paul walked in condemnation, he never could have did what he did. He would have been content to sit in the synagogue his entire life and never be an apostle. How did he do that? Because he knew he was forgiven. I used to. I used to. I, I did this before. And he, he said, look, I, he would hunt down and kill Christians. I've never done that. I mean, you want to compare? I mean, I've never took a man's wife, had him killed, and covered it. But yet God never mentioned it after that. Man did. And in the writings of the Bible, God never mentioned it. You're perfect, but not like my servant David. God never mentioned it. Why? Because David was forgiven. Man did, except for this thing that, except for. Friends, when we get to heaven, God's not going to go except for, except for, except for. When you're forgiven and you repent and your spirit is born again and you can renew your mind and you can walk out, what would we look like if we were totally free and had no fear of man? I think we would care more, love more. If everybody walked in and we could see every wound they went through, every heartache they went through, every pain, I wonder if we would treat each other a little different. I wonder if we'd be a little kinder. I wonder if we'd show a little more mercy because I want mercy, but I don't want to show you mercy. I want to be forgiven, but I want you to walk it out in pain and walk through glass and have all, all this. You need to know what you did to me. See, friends, listen, forgiveness, we need to forgive people. Forgiveness is not saying what you did is right. A lot of people have that. Forgiveness is saying I'm not connected to that anymore. I was watching this. I was watching this, and I'm just sharing my heart. You guys good? I just I was watching this uh, murder trial, and there was a serial killer, and all the family was there the, of the of the victims, and they were all just there. There was like you burning hell, and you know they were cussing and stuff. And just one elderly lady gets up. She goes, "I forgive you. I'm over you," and she walked out. And I had a thought. She is the only one that left free that day. He went to jail physically, and they were in jail emotionally. God wants us to set us free. She was the only one that walked free. Now, what she didn't say was, it's okay what you did. Forgiveness is not saying what you did is right. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not connected to that anymore. And you know, here's the thing. Someone could abuse you. You could forgive them. That doesn't mean they're forgiven by God. Forgiven by you. They need to go to God. That's a whole other thing. And it's not like they're going to make him pay. When you're totally free in God and every path of unrighteousness can be traced back to the first when Lucifer, every, for paths of righteousness sake. And if we're, the Lord restores my soul for the paths of righteousness. If we're going to walk in those paths, you need to be fully restored. Otherwise, you don't think you can do it. If your soul is messed up, you'll think, I can't, or you'll think, oh, I can without God. Either way is messed up. When your soul is restored, he says, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. 
I can't do jack squat in Mexico without God. Nothing. I heard a prophet one time, he was prophesying, he goes, you guys, settle down, you just settle down, because if the Holy Spirit leaves, I'm dead in the water. True. You're dead in the water. You can make stuff up, you can pull stuff from the past, you can quote scriptures, but it's not going to help anybody. So when your soul is restored, you're going to walk in paths of righteousness. There's people that never do what God's called them to do because they don't think they're qualified, not realizing the blood has already qualified you. So he's training you to, to walk into that. Like, follow me. Jesus already knew Peter was going to deny him. Oh, I'm not going to deny you. Yes, you're going to deny me. But when you return, strengthen the brethren. See, God already sees you whole and restored soul. And who preached the first day of Pentecost? Peter, the one that fell. Denied him three times. 3,000 got saved. For every denial, there was 1,000 salvations. If you give it to God, he'll return it redeemed. Because redeemed is not just a word. It's what he does. Denied Jesus three times. Over 3,000 got saved. No, it's not a coincidence. And Peter, you preach. Not John. Not, not the ones that walked with me. Not the ones that were at the cross. Not the ones that, that, that I gave my mom to. Now, there was only one disciple at the cross. Peter, I want you to preach this new covenant because I want to show people you can deny me, but you can also stand later with the blood of Christ. Peter never would have been able to do that if he felt condemned. Paul would have died in the back of the church. That's where we would put Paul. You did that, you're bad. You're good. See? Because you're saved by your actions. And I'm not talking about you can just do anything. There's consequences. But you know consequences? You know the definition of consequences? We use it as a bad thing, right? Because it's like, oh, there's consequences to that. And it's true. Did you know consequences, the effect, result, or outcome of something occurring earlier? You know it could be good? I pray every day there's a consequence. I'm going to Jesus, there's consequences. A result or effect of an action or a condition because it's always used negatively. Maybe it's time we flip the script on Satan. I can come to Jesus every day and there's consequences. I can ask for forgiveness and there's consequences. I can sow and reap and there's consequences, good consequences. See, maybe in your life there's always been negative consequences. That same word, but when the Redeemer comes, he changes it. I go to God now with my pain and there's consequences. When I sin, I don't wait anymore. I run to the Father and there's consequences. There's good consequences for your life. It was always there. It was never preached. Listen, redemption in your life has always been there. Change that word. We really don't know him. We really don't. We think we do. John thought he knew Jesus, but when the veil of humanity was ripped in heaven, he couldn't even stand. But one touched him so he could raise. He saw him in his glory without the veil of humanity. Maybe it's time we really seen the Redeemer. Because when the potter's on the wheel, he has one hand in the pot and one hand on the side of the pot. And he's the potter, and both those hands have been scarred. They have nail prints. When we get to heaven, every scar, every wound, every blood mark, every disability, every limb that's missing will never be to see it. The only one that will remain are the ones in Jesus' hands. And it's for eternity. Those don't go away. When Jesus shows up, they're still there. Little boy was getting quizzed by his parents about heaven, and they didn't realize they weren't sure. And he said, what did Jesus like? He, he had marks. He had marks. He has marks. And the potter doesn't just throw the clay away. He has one hand on the inside, emotionally restoring your soul, and one hand on the outside where man sees but for that pot to increase for the new wine, it's the hand on the inside that pushes out. It's not the outside that pushes in. It's not your gifts and callings that make it bigger. It's the hand on the inside no one sees that's pushing it out. And for us to receive more of the new wine and have a true revival, a true revival what he wants. Because 
Pastor Lena, she brings more of the emotional healing aspect. Pastor Easy is the physical. Both reside in Pastor Allen, and it doesn't mean one's more important than the other. God wants them to be both at the same time, and one may be more at the forefront at the same time. God could physically heal you today without me talking about physical healing. But So on the inside, he's pushing out. Julia, can you please come play? I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to pray for you because... Oh, you, I'm emotionally healed. I'm going to pray for you. No, no I want, we're going to let God go to the areas of our heart. You're welcome in this place, my heart. You're welcome in this space. Maybe some of you need to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to go back to the cross and be fully washed and not think that time heals you. He heals you. Time does not heal all wounds. Sometimes time makes it worse if that anger and that bitterness gets worse. Time does not heal all wounds, friends. There's people that die that were wounded when they were five or six and time did not heal them. Died when they were 90-some still. And God wants a true revival. He wants a true awakening where every part of us is awake to him. You can get saved and your spirit's perfect, but physically you still need a healing. And we're not going to be ultimately healed until we get to heaven. We're not, gonna have no, we're not even going to get tired in heaven. So Jesus paid for that. We're going to receive that now, later. Full healing. No death. Spirit's awake, but we can have our soul restored. He just needs your agreement and choice because he's not going to drive you or push you over the cliff. He's leading you. My sheep know my voice. And he's saying today, let me put the hand on the inside to push it out. Not so you can increase more in ministry or in anointing. Those things are side effects. It's so you can know me more. So you can know me more. I'm not like your earthly father. My dad, when I saw how he was raised, it's no wonder he was like that. This is not blaming people. We need to stop that. If you wouldn't have, you wouldn't know. If Satan wouldn't have, that's the ultimate. But God, I thank you. You're here. Just close your eyes because I bring zero healing. None. So he came to Nazareth where he, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim literally to the captives and recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable of the year of the Lord. If you look in there, there's a lot of emotional in there. There's a lot of the soul. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So, Lord, I thank you for... Being here today, Holy Spirit, you're already here. I thank you for awakening every area in our heart. And just, just say in your own words, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this space, our hearts. Every wound, every word that caused a wound, every unrighteous path that somebody else walked in. We can sin and it can cause harm to our soul. And others can sin and they can harm, harm hearts to all souls. So it doesn't matter if it was you or them. It's Jesus who heals. It's Jesus who heals. Holy Spirit, I thank you for awakening my heart. Not just the people's heart, my heart. Every wound, every wall, every crevice, every thing we've brushed over and pushed down and settled on and said, this is just who I am. Every words that our parents said or we said to our parents, every unforgiveness, every, every wickedness, every slash. Remember I was 
emotionally abused at one church, and I walked in years later just to, talk, just to go in there, and I just remember I bent over. I could just feel it on the inside. It was just so weird how I could just get in that place. I can't explain these things to you, but we are a body, soul, and spirit. It's not about us having two natures. No, friends, you have one nature. You have a flesh to deal with, but one nature. But we're a triune being. And, you know, they say, oh, Satan didn't create anything. Actually, he did. He created evil. God, in God's awesomeness, he created Satan with choice, and he allowed him to create in a certain realm, and he created. All wickedness comes from him. It's not from God. And we have a choice to walk in healing. You can have full healing if you just, and today could just be the start. I'm not saying, oh, you're just going to walk out totally free, but today can be a start for you, God. You're welcome in this painful area. Some areas are so painful we don't want to talk about. We don't want to relive because the pain. But his hand is nail print. He knows rejection. And God was rejected by his creation. It is something we will never know what that's like. Jesus was rejected on the cross by the Father. We do not know. I felt rejected by my dad, but there's nothing like he experienced. John, I know how it is. And I'm putting my hand on the inside of the pot. And I'm pushing out that pain and that hurt and that any area of unforgiveness. And he's pushing it out so he can pour the new wine in, the bomb of Gilead. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. God, so I thank you for every wound, every wall we put up on our heart that has kept others out and has kept us from fully loving others. God, I thank you, the fear of man, the God that, yes, I can say I need my soul restored. I can need emotional healing. So come, restorer of the breach. Come, redeemer, and touch every area of our life. Lord, I thank you when you come you want to heal the physical and you want people to get saved and you want us to receive Christ. And I don't know everybody in here, but you can just in a moment be from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Maybe you'll listen to this later. In a moment you receive Christ. It's what he did on the cross. And you say, I believe that you are God. You're not just a prophet and you died for my sins and you become born again in your spirit. And then he comes in your soul. Lord, I thank you. You can restore my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. God cares about the cancer, but he also cares about your anxiety and your depression, and your bitterness, and your unforgiveness, and the words that mom said, dad said, the way you were raised, and that you were trying to run. How many young girls try to find love because they never received the love from the father, and the first guy that comes along and shows them affection, they consider it love, but it's not love. How many guys are still trying to prove to their dad they can be a success because they didn't receive a father's love? Lord, I thank you. You're the true father. Jesus teaches us to pray. He didn't say, say, my father, you're God. He said, our father. I invite you into the fatherhood of God. Jesus says, I want you to know him like I know him. When I was 11, my, I, my mom did not abandon us. She fought for us, but I just felt like that. It doesn't need to be true for the walls to go up, but God is stronger than every wall. And as a child, as 11, just a young boy, I did it as a reaction. I didn't choose. I'm going to build this wall. I did it to protect myself. So Lord, I thank you you're stronger than any wall that we put up. And you know the strategy. You knew the strategy for Jericho, God. You know the strategy. And the Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming and just blowing down the walls. God, I thank you for your tenderness. The Bible says, here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I've uphold my spirit on him. It goes on to read, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He's not here to smash us. And he doesn't, you know, the Holy Spirit is powerful, but he's also gentle. And Lord, I thank you for being powerful against the enemy, but gentle with us. And God, we trust you with our heart. God, we're the potter. You're the potter. We're the clay. God, we stay on that wheel, God. And even though it seems we go round another time, God, we let you put your hand on the inside of us to heal and the outside to shape. God, we thank you, Lord. 
God, all the disappointment we leave here today, we just lay it down. And we ask you to redeem the time, redeem thousands of years of prophecies, and Jesus redeemed them, so many, over 300 prophecies, he redeemed them in three and a half years. Thousands of years to produce the prophecies, three and a half years for them to come to pass. Lord, I thank you, you can do in a snippet. The earth was a chaotic mass, it was formless. Until God said, let there be light and change it. So, Lord, I thank you. Everything in our life that's formless, we don't see the shape or don't see the purpose. You had a purpose for it. I thank you going deep down, God. Lord, I thank you. You just don't want to hear cancers and tumors, but yet people walk out with discouragement and disappointment and anxiety and fears. I thank you. You want to heal it all. Body, soul, and spirit. So, I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've started. Man cannot do what you can do. We never could. There's only one most high. Amen.